A good verse for you to memorize is the one I'm going to give you this morning, John 10.10. If you don't know this one, memorize it. Put it in your heart. Put it in your life. Make it a part of your life. But this is how I want to begin this morning. It says, thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Love this part. I have come that they may have life and have it to Jesus' words. And if Jesus said that he came that we may have life and have it to the full, is it any wonder at all that God wants us to be happy? No, there is no wonder. We should understand and know God wants us to be happy and not just happy, but crazy happy. Amen? So looking back at our text from last week, we said the blessed person is the happy person. Today I want to begin unpacking the Beatitudes, and I believe that that you will find the surprising and unexpected places happiness is found. Remember, God wants us to be crazy happy. Everybody say crazy happy. I think we can say it even better than that. Let's say crazy happy. There you go. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to Matthew chapter 5. I want to look at the first four Beatitudes, and we're going to begin reading at verse 3. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Let's look at the first one this morning. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now as we begin to look at each one of these Beatitudes, I want you to think of them as steps to take in our Christian walk. It, there's a reason why Jesus began his message with these thoughts, with these words, with these steps, if you will. There is a reason. He, he, he's, he's, he's basically, if you've ever listened, a lot of times in a sermon, when you're preparing a sermon, you start with an introduction. And then pretty much everything after you say after that has to do with that introduction. This is kind of basically, if you want to look at it this way, Jesus has given you the introduction here with the Beatitudes. And if you notice, if you'll read throughout the rest of Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon in the Mount, you can pretty much put, if you wanted to, you can make these eight Beatitudes a point, and you can pretty much put all the rest of his sermon under each one of these points. But look at what he says. The first one probably has many of us asking a question. What is poor in spirit? Now, we all know what poor means, right? I've heard people tell me that when they were growing up, they were too poor to pay attention. Anybody ever heard that? <laughs> and when we think of being poor, we think about a physical poor. I don't have any money. I don't, I don't uh, make enough money. Uh, I, I, you know, my, my pockets are empty. I, I'm broke. We, that's what we think of when we think of poor. We think of being poor physically. Now, however, this is not what Jesus was talking about. Jesus was talking about a spiritual poverty or being spiritually poor, or as he puts it, poor in spirit. So to be poor in spirit 
is to acknowledge our spiritual poverty, our spiritual bankruptcy before God. You and I, we are sinners under the holy wrath of God. We deserve nothing but the judgment of God. We have nothing to offer, nothing to plead, nothing which which to buy the favor of heaven. We have nothing. We are spiritually poor. John Calvin wrote, he He only who is reduced to nothing in himself and relies on the mercy of God is poor in spirit. Now it is only to those that are poor in spirit that will receive the kingdom of heaven. God's gift of salvation is a gift that is absolutely free. It is absolutely undeserved. It has to be received with the dependent humility of a little child. Think about humility. What is humility? It's when I lower myself, when I say that I am not worthy. or I, 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 And it's not that it's, not that it's a, a form of weakness. I am nothing without the Father. I am nothing without God. So I come, when, I, when it says blessed are the poor in spirit, it's those who approach the throne room and they say, Lord, here I come to you, and I come to you as someone that has lived, but I am whoever you need me to be or want me to be. We are humbling ourselves to the Father, and we are saying we are poor in spirit, and we need you to be whoever we need to be. We have to depend upon God. The kingdom of heaven is given to the poor, not the rich. It's given to the feeble, not the mighty. To little children, humble enough to accept it. Not to soldiers who boast that they can obtain it by their own prowess. In Jesus' day, it was not the Pharisees who entered the kingdom who thought they were rich. So rich in merit that they thanked God for their attainments. Nor was it the zealots who dreamed of establishing the kingdom by blood and sword. But it was publicans and prostitutes, the rejects of human society, who knew they were so poor they could offer nothing and achieve nothing. All they could do was to cry to God for mercy, and he heard their cry. It's being poor in spirit. In today's world, no one would want to admit to being poor. It's all about, man, if you got the cash, if you've got the money, if you got the success, then you have achieved everything and all, and all that you could possibly imagine. So that's the way it is in today's world. Nobody would ever say that happiness comes from being poor, but the person who humbles themselves and admits that they are nothing without God are those that will receive the kingdom of heaven, our ultimate and our greatest reward. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I want to come and approach the throne Humbly, I want to be what God wants me to be, not what anyone else wants me to be. The second one, blessed are those who mourn. You know, when we think of mourning, we think of losing a loved one. But it is plain from the text that those here who are promised comfort are not primarily those who mourn the loss 
of a loved one, but those who mourn the loss of their innocence, their righteousness, their self-respect. It's not the sorrow of bereavement to which Christ refers, but the sorrow of repentance. And this is the second step of spiritual blessing. It is one thing to be spiritually poor and acknowledge it, but it is also another to grieve and to mourn over it. Amen? When was the last time, and I want you to understand my heart here, but when was the last time that you wept over the sins of others? Think about that. When was the last time that you wept over someone else's sin? When was the last time that you... I, we, it, it, it's easy for us to wep, weep over our sins, right? We, we come before the Lord and, and we say, Lord, please forgive me. Please, I, I beg of your mercy. I beg of your grace. I ask that you would come, wipe me clean. We do that for ourselves. But when was the last time that we wept over someone else's sin? When was the last time that we cried out over someone else's sin? When was the last time that we saw the sin of someone else and we were grieved because of that? Think about it. Think about it for just a moment. Jesus wept over the sins of others, over their bitter consequences in judgment and death, over the impenitent city with which not, with that, that would not receive him. You and I should weep more over the evil in this world. I believe that evangelical Christians, by making much of grace, sometimes make light of sin. There is not enough sorrow for sin among us. You know, I hear people that say, oh, well, if I sin, that's okay. I'm covered by grace. I believe God's grace is sufficient. I fully believe. Does it mean that that gives you a license to sin? God loves us. He cares for us. He wants the best for us. But just because we have grace does not mean that we should be able to go out and do whatever we want to. Amen? We, we, we should have, at some point, be able to humble ourselves and say, you know what, I don't want to do these things because my Savior died for me, and He loves me, and He cares for me, and we should want to weep over the sin of not just our sins, but the sin of others. So how will we be comforted? We're the only comfort which we can relieve our distress is the free forgiveness of God. Amen. Revelation 7:17 7, says for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen? That's something to look forward to. God will comfort us as we mourn for our sins and the sins of others. We can find comfort in our Savior. Why? Because He loves us. He cares for us. So as we cry out for not only us but for our loved ones, we can see that God will comfort us. Give us peace and help us to, as, we begin to, as we pray for those that are suffering, those that have those sins. The third thing is blessed are, blessed are the meek. Now, the Greek word for meek is pros, P-R-A-U-S. It means gentle, humble, considerate, and courteous. 
Now, a lot of people think of meek as weak. (laughs) If you have meekness, well, that's a sign of weakness, right? We shouldn't be meek. But here Jesus is saying, blessed are the meek. The meek are those who are humble and submissive to God. They depend on nothing but him for security and life and they re and, and the refuge from trouble. They commit themselves and the direction of their lives entirely to him. They are more concerned about God's work and God's people than about uh, what might happen to them personally. Look at what Psalm 37, 11 says, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. The meek rather than those who aggressively pursue their own ways, ultimately will inherit God's benefits and reign with him in the end. Do you ever look at the news? I would, I would say, do you ever look at a newspaper? But those are pretty much obsolete just about. But if you ever watch the news or read it on social media, we see on there how godless people boast and they throw their weight around. We we see the tycoon giants, they, they crush the little people. Politicians try to run people's lives and they try to make decisions to pad their pocketbooks and, instead of what is good for the people. But it is not those people that will inherit the earth. They think that, man, if I can become big, if I can become more mighty, if I can become more strong, if I can get more wealth, if I can attain more power, if I can do all these things, then I will inherit the earth. I will inherit what I need. But Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. It's completely opposite of what we think in the world that we live in. It's completely opposite for what we think As we walk through life, Jesus says, it's the meek. It's those that might be stepped on, those that might be pushed to the background, those that are forgotten about. Why? Because we know that it is to live and reign with Christ, we can enjoy and even possess the earth which belongs to Christ. You know, one day there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And this will be the meek's inheritance. Look at what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10. He says, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, and yet possessing everything. The meek shall inherit the earth. The meek, those that don't try to push other people around, those that try to not do... uh, uh, Now, is there anything wrong with trying to be successful? No. It's all in the attitude that we are being successful. I've seen many of people that are uh, great businessmen, but yet they're some of the most meek people out there. Why? Because... They serve a God, and they understand how to treat people. It's all about how we treat others, right? It's all about how, what we do for others and how we treat others. And the fourth thing is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness in the Bible has at least three aspects. The legal, the moral, and social righteousness. Let me bring you those. Legal righteousness is justification, a right relationship with God. Paul wrote in Romans that even though the Jews pursued righteousness, they failed to attain it because they pursued it in the wrong way. 
They sought their own righteousness and did not submit to God's righteousness, which is Christ himself. The second, there's moral righteousness, and that's the righteousness of character and conduct which pleases God. It is an inner righteousness of the heart, the mind, and the motive. And this is what we should hunger and thirst for. Social righteousness is concerned with seeking man's liberation from oppression. It is also the promotion of civil rights, justice in the law courts, integrity in business dealings, and honor in home and family affairs. Christians are committed to hunger for righteousness in the whole human community as something pleasing to a righteous God. Psalm 107 verse 9 says, For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. It is not enough to just mourn over past sin, but we must hunger for future righteousness. I said it's not enough to mourn over our past sins, but we must also hunger for future righteousness. We cannot lose our hunger for the things of God. Amen? We just can't. We cannot lose our hunger for the things of God, the right relationship with God. We must hunger for that. When we lose that hunger for God and His standards, then we begin to die spiritually. Anybody ever get really hungry? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are thinking, man, I'm hungry right now. I want to go eat. Well, well, you'll get to eat here in just a little bit. Give me a few more minutes. But if you've ever been really, really hungry, and I'm talking about hungry that you're pain, you know, you get stomach pains. You know what I mean? Like where you just, I went to the doctor the other day, and, uh, you know, it was, it was my uh, new, I had to go get a new doctor because mine had moved out of the area. And uh, so I'm, I'm in my new doctor's appointment, and I had fasted. I'd done the whole thing so I could get my blood work and all that stuff. And I'm sitting there, and he's, he's doing his exam or whatever, and he goes, and my stomach started going, blah, blah, blah. he goes, boy, you're hungry, aren't you? And I said, yes, sir, I am. I haven't ate breakfast this morning, you know. And uh, so, you know, you ever do that to where you, you get those hunger pains, right, where you're just, you're, you're craving something, you know, or maybe someone's just talked about food all day, like the preacher, you know, instead of talking about food, just making me hungry, you know. But he talks about, you know, you, you hear people talking about food, or you start thinking about or have you noticed how TV, you're watching a show, and what do they do? They put those commercials on. I am so sick of Applebee's right now. That's all I have. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? They're singing their little jig or whatever. I am so tired of seeing Applebee's commercials. They're on there all the time. It's like, good grief, will somebody please go visit their store so they'll stop advertising. You know what I mean? And it's like, I don't want to see Applebee's anymore. I don't want to go eat at Applebee's. I have no desire for Applebee's. I don't want to see it, you know. But they have their little jig and their little dance and their little fun and games. But, you know, when we get so hungry, what do we got to do? We got to satisfy that hunger, do we not? What is it, the Snickers commercial? You're not yourself when you're hungry. You ever, you know, isn't that what it is? And it's, you know, and, it's the, and they are always somebody different. And they go, here, man, grab a Snickers. You're not yourself when you're hungry. You know, and is that not true with us? You know, what are they, what's the new word? You're not hungry. You're hangry, right? You move from the hungry stage to the hangry stage. You're now angry because you're hungry, you know. And, 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 but when we get hungry or we get thirsty, what do we got to do? 
We go get something to eat, right? When we're thirsty, what do we do? We go get something to drink, right? It should be that we hunger and thirst for righteousness. We hunger and thirst for the things of God, that we want more of that. Why? Because we need that. We're, we're not just here to scratch an itch, right? We're here to receive the spiritual food that God wants to pour into our life. And as he pours in, then what can we do? We can pour out to others. We can minister to others. We can reach out to others. We can do the things that God wants us to do. And we can receive what God continues to pour into our life. Because we are hungry and we are thirsting for his righteousness and we want more of God than we ever wanted before. We want more of him and less of who? Less of me. I need less of me. I want more of God. But we, if we do not, if we lose our hunger for God and his standards, then we begin to die spiritually. If I did not eat the food, the physical food, what's going to happen to me? Physically, I'm going to die, right? Because you have to have that. You can only live so many days on water. At some point, you've got to take in the food. You need those nutrients. You need those vitamins that come in from the food that we take in. Same thing with God. If, if we lose our hunger for God and his standards, we begin to die spiritually. And that's why it's so essential that we be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. The Holy Spirit's there to keep us away from evil, and he's there to draw us closer to God. I want more of God. I want more of God in my life. I want less of me, and I want more of God. I desire the things of God. I'm a, I want to be hungry. I want to hunger and thirst for his righteousness. It says, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be what? Filled. Man, it's good to be, it's, you ever, (laughs) you ever had, think about Thanksgiving, it's coming up, isn't it, it's two months away, you know, and you eat the big old turkey, and the dressing, and the mashed potatoes, and the gravy, and the corn, whatever else, you eat green beans, I don't know, salad, pie, pecan pie, oh, pecan pie, hallelujah, (laughs) I received that one, yes, Lord, you know, (laughs) You know, but you think about all those. And what do you do after you get done eating Thanksgiving? You just go and find a chair somewhere and pass out, right? And it's like, oh. Why? Because you are filled, right? You are filled. The Bible says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be what? Filled. I want to be filled with the things of God, amen? I need that filling. I need him to fill me up so that I can go throughout my week. If I come here, now can I tell you, will one meal a week do it for you? No, exactly. You can't just eat a Sunday afternoon dinner and survive the rest of the week. Amen? Because you'll starve to death. Most of us can't even make it. You know, after, you know, you might eat lunch and then you're like, you start getting towards supper time, it's time to eat again, right? It's like, man, I'm getting kind of hungry. And then after you eat supper, what is it? It's like, oh, we need a little evening snack. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? But we get hungry again, don't we? It, it, a little dab just won't do us, you know? Now, I'm sure that you could, might could live off one meal a day, maybe, but they say that you should eat three to four times a day. 
not big meals, <laughs> but they say that you should eat three to four times a day to get the nutrients that you need, to get the proteins and all the carbs and all the things that you're supposed to have and not supposed to have and da 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 Supposed to eat all this stuff. Why? Because it's filling, right? And then Monday rolls around, and what do you do? You eat again. And then Tuesday rolls around. What do you do? You eat again, right? And Wednesday rolls around, and what do you do? You eat again. You get what I'm saying. Thursday rolls around, and you what? Eat. Friday, you what? Eat. You get the pattern here. It's not just a one-and-done thing, right? So when I hunger and thirst for righteousness... I can't just come in on Sunday and say, well, a little dab will do me and I'll take it. And it'll, I'll make it the rest of the week. Doesn't work that way. You see, if I, if I just open my Bible when the preacher says, turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 5 and we're going to read verses 3 through 6. And then you just read that and then you're done for the rest of the week. You are starving yourself of the nutrients and the good stuff that God has for you. It's time that whenever you get going on Monday that you open up your, your uh, phone. You pull out your Bible app. You look at the day's verse, whatever it is, verse of the day. And you look it up and you read that scripture. What are you doing? You're filling your soul. And then you get up the next day on Tuesday. Hey, I'm not even asking you to read a chapter. I'm not even asking you to read the, the whole book. I'm just asking you to get a little bit every single day. Because what you're doing is you're feeding that soul. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be what? Filled. We need to be filled with God's word every single day. Amen. We need to feed our soul just like we feed our body and so that we can grow and be who God wants us to be. God has so much far more greater stuff for us, waiting for us, but we have to come and we have to take that in and we have to eat of that nourishment, eat of that food, that spiritual food, so that we can be who God wants us to be. So whenever we're struggling, whenever we have something that comes against us, whenever we're having a bad day, when we're having a rough time, we can remember the scriptures that said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you or I am more than a conqueror amen no weapon formed against me shall prosper we can read these things we understand these things why because we put it into our soul and we understand it so whenever the bad times come we can look to God's word and know what he has for us the promises that he has for us looking back we can see that the first four Beatitudes reveal a spiritual progression of relentless logic. Each step leads to the next and presupposes the, the one that has gone before. They all go together. To begin with, we're poor in spirit, acknowledging our complete and other spiritual bankruptcy before God. And next, we are to mourn over the cause of it, our sins, the corruption of our fallen nature. The reign of sin and death in the world. Thirdly, we're to be meek, humble, and gentle towards others, allowing our spiritual poverty to condition our behavior to them as well as to God. And fourthly, we are to hunger and thirst for righteousness. 
For what is the use of confessing and lamenting our sin, of acknowledging the truth about ourselves to both God and men if we leave it there? Confession of sin must lead to hunger for righteousness. Can I say that again? Confession of sin must lead to hunger for righteousness. Do you see the progression of becoming who God wants us to be in Jesus' teaching known as the Beatitudes? Jesus is showing us the life that we are to live. Acknowledging our spiritual bankruptcy before God. Mourning our sins and the sins of others. Being meek towards others. And hungering and thirsting for righteousness. God wants a crazy happy life for us. Amen? His crazy happy plan for our lives is so much a part of our human existence. And at the same time, so far beyond anything that we could imagine or come up with. Take any topic. Just take any topic in God's word. And just think about it. Can I tell you that whatever you are thinking... God is thinking even more. God is thinking even greater, even larger than what we ever could imagine. God don't just want a little bit for you. We talk about blessings. God don't just want a little bit of blessings for you. It's not like God's got a pepper shaker and he's just sprinkling the pepper, you know, the little pepper blessings on you. God's got a bucket and he's dumping that blessings upon you. And, you know, we think about, we think about um, uh, uh, Malachi uh, chapter 6, and it's, it is talking about, it's talking about uh, 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 giving. But he says, try it and see if I will not open for you the blessings that are so much that you're not going ta- to be able to contain it all. So that should give us a picture of the blessings that God has for us. Not just in our giving, but in our life. As we go throughout our life and as we pursue the things of God, as we want more of God, God says, I got a whole bunch of stuff that I want to just pour out upon you. I'm not going to give you just a little dab to get you through the rest of the week. I've got more stuff than you could possibly ever imagine. And if you will just open up yourself to receive what I have for you, you're not going to be able to contain it all. A lot of times God says, I have blessings for you, and we come to God with a little cup. Okay, God, well, if you'll just fill my cup, you know, that'd be fine. And the truth is, we should be coming to God with a dump truck and saying, God, fill this up. And God's saying, oh, I I got blessings. You're not going to be able to fill. It's not, the dump truck's not big enough. That's what God's saying to us. God's saying, I got blessings I want to pour out upon you. And all it is is that we just have to come before him and live the life that he wants us to live. Who would have ever thought that the happy life would consist of things like humility and sadness and mourning and meekness and being hungry and thirsty? But when this happens, God's crazy, happy plan for our lives starts to unfold. And this is just the beginning. Amen? This is just the beginning. We've only covered the first four. We got four more to cover. Can you just imagine what God wants for us? The things that God wants for us. Next week, we're going to continue to look at God's crazy happy plan for us. The second half of the Beatitudes, 
They seem to turn even more from our attitude to God to our attitude to our fellow human beings. So I want you to think about it. The, the merciful show mercy to men. The peacemakers seek to reconcile men to each other. And those who are persecuted are persecuted by me. It seems like, therefore, that the sincerity uh, denoted, uh, denoted by being pure in heart also concerns our attitude and relation to our fellow human beings. But that's going to be next week. This week, I want you just to soak it in. What we've talked about. The things that God has for us. Those who are poor in spirit, that we come humbly before God. We say, God, I have nothing to bring. But I'm bringing, and I'm laying it at your feet. We're coming to him meek. God, I want to give you all that I have. We're coming to him mourning over our sins, over the sins of the world. And we come to him hungering and thirsting for righteousness. What we are saying, if you look through those four, is we're saying that I am nothing without you, God. I have nothing without you. You give me all that I have, and you are all that I need. Kent, would you come? And can we sing that song, Everything I Ever Wanted, I've Found in You? And I want you to hear the words of these songs. If you could find the slide, I, I didn't put it back there, but I want us to sing that this morning. And I want you to think of the words that you're saying. I don't want you just to sing the words, but I want you to think about what you're saying. Everything I ever wanted, I found in you. That's what this is talking about. That's what this verse is talking about. And I want this to be your prayer this morning. I want us to come, if you can, as we sing. I want you to come and I want you to gather around this place. I want us to get up from our seats, and I want us to come. If you want to kneel at the altars, if you want to stand around here, but I want us to sing this, and I want us just to worship, and I want you to realize what you're saying. Everything I ever wanted, I found in you. And I want you to make that your prayer this morning. Make that your prayer this morning. Can you come? If you can come, come, and let's stand, and let's worship the Lord this morning. Lord, we just worship you. Lord, we praise you, Lord. Lord, everything that I ever wanted, Anything that I ever needed, it was found in you. It wasn't found in me. It wasn't found in anybody else, but it was found in you, Lord. Lord, I love you this morning. Lord, I care for you this morning. God, I praise you this morning. I give you peace. I give you joy, God. Or bring me joy, God. I, I give you praise. I worship you this morning, God. Hallelujah, Lord God. Hallelujah, God. Everything I ever wanted, Lord God, it's found in you, Lord. It's found in you, Lord God. I want more of you today than ever before. God, I need more of you today than ever before. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, I praise you, Lord. Everything I
that I have, the, the abilities that I have, the responsibilities that I've been given, they are because of you, Lord. And there's nothing that I can do in this life without you. I need you to walk with me each step of the way. I need you to guide me each step of the way. Because you're the one that's leading me and guiding me and directing me. Lord, we give you praise. We give you glory. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Can we just worship him right now? Hallelujah. Lord, we just thank you. God, we praise you, Lord. We honor you today, Lord. Lord, we, we need you more today than ever before. Lord, we want to hunger for you. We, we come to you poor in spirit, Lord. We come to you mourning over our sins, the sins of the past, the, the sins that we are, are doing today the sins of others. God, help us to be meek and help us to continue to hunger and thirst for your righteousness. We need you today, God. We need you more than ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. 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 You can be seated. I want to, we shared a few weeks ago that we, for the months of September and October, we would be uh, collecting money for Speed the Light for a project. And I received a video this week for the project that we're going to be helping with, and it is Water Wells in Africa. Take a look at this video. Water is life. Having clean drinking water is something that most of us in the United States take for granted. At the turn of a faucet, you can rinse your dishes, take a shower, and make a refreshing glass of iced tea. But imagine life without clean water, where you have to travel hours on foot in the hot sun just to find a muddy trench filled with stagnant rainwater. Insects have laid their eggs in it. Your livestock drink from it. It is diseased with animal feces and urine, but it's the best you got to bring home to your children and family. Water determines quality of life. Water is essential. Water is life. 
and water is the vehicle which the gospel is being spread in Africa. Over the next few years, Speed the Light has made the commitment to spread the gospel through unconventional means. We are bringing physical water along with the living water of Jesus Christ to completely transform these desperate villages in Africa. Your slight money will make it possible for WorldServe to strategically dig wells just like this one next to churches. These churches then become powerful oasis centers in which water provides sanitation, restores dignity, and changes lives for all eternity. Will you help? Speed the Light is calling you, along with thousands of students across America, to end the water crisis in Africa once and for all, bringing the gospel to the most remote places so that every person may find life in Jesus Christ. Probably did today, didn't you? They say you're supposed to drink eight cups of water a day. That's eight ounces. This bottle's 16, was it 16.9 ounces, I think? So that's two cups. So two cups times, you know, was that four would be 64, I think we said. So four bottles of water a day basically is what you're supposed to drink, they say. And yet, in Africa, they can't get one clean bottle of water. So I want to ask, is, these cost about what, a dollar a piece if you went to buy them in a store? If you, sometimes more, depending on if you, get, if you get the good water, the Fiji water. <laughs> that stuff's like $3 a bottle, you know. And uh, depending on the size of the bottle, it could be even more than that. So, but anyway, we're just going to do simple math here. You figure four, four bottles... That's $4 a day. So f- seven days a week, that's 28 bucks. How many of you would be willing to give $28 to cover a week? And I, a week, I know this is not what they're doing. They're making a well so that they can have an abundant supply of water. But would you be willing to give at least $28 to speed the light? We've got, we're going to be doing collecting through now, from now through the end of October. Whatever you want to give. Some of you may want to give more than $28. Some of you may want to give $50, $100, $200. Just whatever you're wanting to give. You can mark it in an envelope. You can also give online. Anything that comes in that says Speed the Light on it, we're going to give it to Speed the Light. So there's not going to be just a percentage. We're also, what we're doing is a, per, a percentage of your tithe that comes in. Anything that comes in in the month of September and October, we take 10% of that and we give it to missions normally but we're this for these two months we're giving it to speed the light to help raise money for these water wells if you can help us we would appreciate that and uh, all the money that you give will go to that i believe that god will bless you uh you know malachi says that trust me in this and see if i will not pour open the windows of heaven and pour out so many blessings it's one of the few, I believe it's the only place in Scripture where, Jesus, where God says, try me. Test me, he says. In other words, he's saying, put me to the test. And he says, I'm going to prove to you. And I truly believe that God 
will bless. I could, I could go on and on and on and tell stories of stories of stories how God has blessed us. And I don't have the time. I've already preached the message, so that's for another day. <laughs> Can we pray? Can we pray? Lord, we just come to you right now. And I just pray over this offering. I pray for everyone that gives their tithes this morning. I pray for everyone that, that gives to speed the light, that helps us to provide these water wells in Africa. God, I pray that you touch the hearts and lives of every individual here, God. Give us a heart for your people, a heart for missions. And I pray that you pour out blessings, God, as you say in your word. And I give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all have a wonderful week. Uh, youth is tonight at 6. I have one more announcement. Um, we are uh, making our plans for our annual fall fest at Daniel Falls on October 10th at 4 p.m. Uh, make plans to join us. We're going ha- to have a photo backdrop. We'll, we'll probably, we're going to do pumpkin carving for kids and adults. If you want to carve a pumpkin, we'll let you do that too. Uh, we're, you can go fishing out there. Uh, we'll cook hot dogs over the fire. It'll be a great night. We've done this for the last several years. And uh, if you've not ever done it, we would love for you to come out, and we have a blast. It's October 10th, and uh, so we've moved it up a month. We usually do it in November, and it's usually so dark we don't have a whole lot of time to do anything. So we made plans to do it when we have a little more daylight. So uh, make plans to join us. Uh, y'all have a wonderful week. We'll see you Wednesday night at 7. Thank you.